0: Hello, and welcome to the Holistic Women's Health Podcast. On today's episode, I'm so excited to have Dr. Peter Kozlowski. Dr. Peter uses a broad array of tools to find the source of the body's dysfunction. He takes the time to listen to his patients and plots their history on a timeline, considering what makes them unique and co-creating with them a truly unique individualized care plan. Currently, he works with patients online and in person. Dr. Peter Kozlowski did his residency in family practice but started training in functional medicine as an intern. He trained in clinics with leaders in his field, including Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Deepak Chopra, and Dr. Susan Blum. Today, I'm so excited to talk about the surprising link between hormones and toxicity and what we can do today to eradicate these hidden toxins in the body to balance our hormones once, And for all, finally, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Peter.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
0: I'm so glad to have you to talk about these topics. I know hormones is a big topic here and toxins also a big relation to hormones. But before we dive into all that, if you could talk about your story going from that traditional medicine and then into functional medicine and how you use that combo in your practice today.
1: Yeah. Um, if you would have told me when I started residency or medical school that I would be a functional medicine doctor, I definitely would have laughed in your face. Um, I was a very egotistic, traditional doctor that thought he knew it all. Um, and then I went through my own humbling experience, and which made me open to alternatives. And So, my story goes back. Uh, My parents are immigrants from Poland. Um, I was a first generation American, or I am. Um, My parents are both doctors. uh, So, it was always kind of in the family my grandpa, father, aunts, uncles. uh, But I was never really pushed into it. Um, During, I ended up getting a business degree in undergrad. And during my senior year, my best friend was diagnosed with lupus um, a week after our spring break. And passed away uh, a week after our graduation, um, which is at a very, very rapid progression of lupus. I've still never even seen anything like it. Um, and so that experience um, made me think about medicine again. Um, and so I applied and did a post-bachelor program where basically you have to take all the sciences and then you take the MCAT and then you go to med school. Um, so that was my route into medicine. During that, all those years, I got to live in places like uh, Tempe, and I went to Arizona State, and I lived in Barcelona, I lived in Manhattan, I went to NYU, Um, a lot of work hard, play hard. Uh, So I was a pretty big partier. Um, Alcohol was my thing, binge drinking. And when I got into residence, so I had been binge drinking more or less since like pretty early on in high school and uh and they say you kind of stop maturing when you're uh when you start drinking so for me it was like at the age of like 13 um and so when i started residency i um tried to stop drinking or i was like i'm going to cut it out and i had no idea how to deal with life um i had stopped maturing at a very young age and had no idea how to and it wasn't for me like you know i wasn't somebody that was drinking every day or um anything like that, not what I pictured an alcoholic to be. But um I had never explored emotions and feelings. My parents being immigrants, we never talked about a feeling or an emotion ever. Um and I digging deep through lots of therapy and stuff, I my under one of my underlying issues was just feeling really insecure from being an immigrant, from being foreign. Um, and alcohol kind of solved that for me. Um, and so then that went on and then I tried to stop and I couldn't. So I went to treatment um, and treatment for alcoholism had nothing to do with alcohol, which kind of blew me away. It was all about why. Um, so we dug into my childhood and my adulthood and and all these different things. I never really talked about the actual drinking. Um, that was in during residency, that was as an intern. I took six weeks off when I went back to residency. Um, As a resident, we do a lot of inpatient medicine, outpatient medicine, OBGYN, surgery. We do a little bit of it all. And we're always being taught by different doctors. And so there's a doctor, um, when when we would do inpatient service, which is just working with uh, hospitalized patients, every week our attending would change. So every week there'd be a different style to patient care And Dr. Batra, who worked with us, um, every time he came onto the service, he started everybody on a multivitamin and vitamin D. And we thought it was funny. We, we thought it was a joke. We were like, why does he waste our time with this? And when I got back through my own stuff, I talked to him one day, it was middle of the night on a Sunday. And he's like, well, I'm studying something called functional medicine. And he's, he explained it to me, he took me to the website and he was like, it's all about underlying causes. And with my recent experience, I was like, that makes sense to me. Let me check it out. And we are required to, and they also pay for us to do CMEs, which are continuing medical education as residents. And so I went to a IFM conference, the Institute of Functional Medicine. And within the first hour, I knew my life would never be the same. Um, the first, First lecture I believe I went to was on the thyroid and it just completely blew my mind the way that we look at the thyroid um, from a functional medicine perspective than a traditional perspective. We can get into that if you want, but it just kind of continued snowballed from there. Like everything I was hearing made sense. Everybody I was meeting was saying, you know, if you're just starting your career, this is what you should do. And I kind of went all in. And so I've been doing functional medicine for uh, nine years now solo. And, um, it's been a, and I started like when I first trained with like Dr. Hyman and, and Dr. Blum and, and Deep Chopra, Deepak Chopra, that was 10, 12 years ago. Um, so I've been doing this for a while, I'd say. Um, and my dream, I guess, of helping people with autoimmune disease has come true more times than I can imagine. Um, the outcomes that I'm probably the most proud of is working with, uh, families of autistic children. Um, that's one condition where our success rate is hundred percent of seeing an improvement for sure. Um, and everything in between. So I work with everything from infants to elderly. Um, a lot of people come to me for gut issues because my first book is on gut health, Um, and now I'm getting more people that come to me for hormones and toxins, even though I've been doing that my whole career, um, now with my new book out, um, there's just more attention around it and people are more aware of it. So that's a little bit, I guess, about me and how I got into what I'm doing.
0: That's amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. It's, I'm very similar to you in that went the traditional route uh, of first dietetics, wanting to work in a hospital. And then once I found that more holistic nutrition, functional medicine, my life was forever changed. And I was like, I'm never going to practice the same again, after knowing what I know coming from that, that more, you know, whole body approach. And it's just absolutely life changing. I'm curious, at what point in your career, did you decide that you wanted to write books?
1: I have notes. I started making like goals for my career when I was in residency. Um, And and I still have those. I think it's like there's an old uh, website called Evernote that I used to like keep notes in. Um, And uh, yeah, that was, I think, at the top of my list. Maybe it was just starting my own practice was maybe number one. Um, But book was definitely um, at, at the top for sure. And, um, so when I wrote unfunk your gut, um, I just sat down and wrote the whole thing, um, before anyone ever looked at it. And then, um, I met with, um, a a publisher that I was referred to and, um, I sent it to them and, and they had it for like a week or two, um, before we had a call. And a funny thing is, is that, um, this was in February of 2020 that um, we had our first call and my publisher said that she was in India and that could we meet on zoom? And and I replied, I don't know what that is, but I'll, I'll figure it out. And that was a month before it became the primary thing that I'm on most days. Um, But yeah, so I, that, that week or two or however long it was of waiting to speak to her um, was very nerve wracking because I was like, I don't know if I just wasted seven months and just um, like the, the they're going to come back and tell me that this is junk. Um, but that was not the case. She loved it. Um, we won some awards with the first book and um, people that have read it have given us awesome feedback. Um, so if for me, I mean, I, I wanted to be at a point where I had Uh, enough experience to, to really give back. Um, because I even think what I've written now, I mean, will change over time, obviously. Um, but I mean, I've continued to evolve and learn in my career and, um, just had a a lot of patient experience of people getting better, people not getting better. What's the difference? Why? And, um, so it just took some time, some uh, of, of, you know, feeling confident that I I knew what I was talking about. Um, And this new book, Get the Funk Out, uh, is about hormones and toxins. Uh, That definitely I would have never dreamed of writing a book about hormones or toxins. Um, Hormones just made me nervous. And uh, toxins made me even more nervous because I feel like as a traditional doctor, we are very, very ingrained to not believe in it to not think that it's a problem that our toxic environment can't be causing any disease or can't be associated with all this increase in disease we're seeing um so it took me a little while to where I was realizing that there's more I can do for my patients and and so then I dove into environmental medicine which is focusing on toxins and um have been helping people, identify and detox from many different toxins for many years now. Um, and I do think it's a crucial, crucial part of our health um, and functional medicine.
0: Mm-hmm. I, it's certainly a really big topic. One, I feel that most people don't even understand the depth of the daily toxins that we encounter. I feel like most people just don't realize the extent that we're exposed to, and then the extent that that has on our hormones. So if we could start by diving into this, into this, this specialty in your new book, uh, even just starting off with what are some toxins that, we're, that we encounter on a daily basis?
1: Yeah. Um, toxins are basically anything like exogenous. So anything that we're eating, breathing, drinking, touching, but toxins could also come from the inside um and that's like from your gut microbiome if you have an imbalanced gut microbiome which is called dysbiosis those can also be called endotoxins and so these are foreign substances that don't belong in our bodies and when they get into our bodies they can cause problems um the main toxins that i work with are heavy metals specifically the two most common ones are lead and mercury Number two, I'd say is mold. Um, and when we talk about mold, it's mycotoxins from mold, um, not the spores. Glyphosate, which is the main component of Roundup, uh, national news article, um, not too long ago said they found glyphosate in over 80% of urine samples, uh, from my testing over the years, it's over 95, 99%. Um, and that's even in people eating organic, um, then there's the other toxins that are um plastics, organophosphates, flame retardants. They cover all your furniture in flame retardants So your house if it's burning. um well, when you're sitting on your couch, you're touching that and breathing that. Um, memory foam mattresses. I ordered a memory foam mattress. It comes in like a tiny little box from Amazon. You open this box, and all of a sudden you have a queen or a king size mattress. Right after I did that, I went to an environmental medicine conference where they showed studies that they found over eighty different chemicals and toxins in memory foam mattresses. Um, so that sucked, but that I just got one. Um, the shocking one for like a lot of more women is the the personal care products, um, all the different makeup products, sunscreens, deodorants um what bottle plastics from what bottles you're drinking from there was just a uh another uh, news headline the other day from New Zealand that they found massive amounts of microplastics in the rain so when, when it's raining down on us we're being rained with plastic um which is funny but not really um so these toxins are everywhere. We have many mechanisms to try to prevent them from being stuck in our bodies and we can go through that. Um and when they accumulate they can become a problem. Um not in everybody. And so that's one of the things that um traditional medicine struggles with is that um I can take a patient with a level of lead that's at 10 and one per and another person who has a lead of 80 the person with 10 has symptoms the person with 80 doesn't and that makes it very difficult for regular medicine because traditionally like the higher something is the worse it should be but that's not the case when it comes to toxins and that gets to the point that we're all different and that's the kind of an underlying theme of functional medicine is, is that it is individualized medicine and it's personal and it, because a lead of 10 is not affecting you doesn't mean it's not affecting me um and the other huge, huge point, um, that people that are listening to this, that want to go get tested or learn more about this. If you go to your regular doctor, um, they are probably going to either laugh at you, kick you out of the office or say that that's just made up. Um, we are trained as regular doctors to, uh, learn about acute toxicity from toxins. And so an example is like, few years ago now, the kids in Flint, Michigan, where they changed the water supply and they got large amounts of lead quickly and they had like acute neurologic symptoms. That's like a lead poisoning. The concept that I was taught and that I practice in functional medicine is the concept of total toxic body burden. And that what that means to me is, is that we're all born with a bucket and we fill that bucket with stress and sugar and processed foods, lack of nutrients, um, lead, mercury, mold, dysbiosis, SIBO, candida, stress, and eventually that bucket overflows into disease. And so the job of functional medicine, in my opinion, is to figure out what is in your bucket and rebalance that, get rid of the bad stuff and add good stuff. We are all born with a bucket of different sizes. And that is why some people get sick when they're four. Some people get sick when they're 75. Some people never get sick. Um, and uh, so this concept of total toxic body burden, the the big key to it is, is that I don't believe that just lead, elevation in lead or mercury or mold causes autism or causes Hashimoto's. It is not one thing, usually, in my experience. It is a combination of all of these things that we look at in functional medicine. Um, it is a little bit of lead, it is a little bit of mercury, it is a little bit of mold, a little bit of SIBO, a little bit of dysbiosis. And so that is very important, I think, to understand when you're talking about toxins from this perspective is um that it is the the body burden. Um and so. We start accumulating toxins before we're even born. Um, they have done studies on umbilical cord blood. The umbilical cord is what carries nutrients and blood from the mom to the baby when you're growing. Um and they have found uh different studies, I mean, over a hundred different toxins in that cord blood. And so we start accumulating toxins. Um if mom had toxins. So I get women that come to me for like pre-pregnancy planning. The first thing that I'm going to do with them is detox. Um, and then you can grab some from breast milk, even though you need breast milk for pre and probiotics, if mom didn't detox, then you can be getting more toxins. Um, two, I guess almost three years ago now, They found something like 200 or 400 times the amount of mercury in organic Gerber baby food. Um, And that was in like 2020. So you can imagine what it was like 10 years before that, 20 years before that, 30 years before that. Um, So any of these toxins, they try to get into our body. And the way that they can get in is through our skin, through our lungs, and through our gut. And so those are our first detox organs that people don't really think about is the barriers, the actual physical barriers to keep this stuff out. And for example, we weren't really designed or prepared to be getting covered in plastic when it rains, right? Like that, that's not what our bodies were prepared for. Um, And the, what's in our water. I mean, if you look at studies of what's in our water supply, I mean, they find like the residuals of pharmaceutical drugs in drinking water, lead, mercury, um mold, or whatever that any of this these toxins can be in your water. Um, our food, you know, they started with the hybridization of wheat and then the genetic modification of soy and corn. And our Western diet basically consists of. Gluten, soy, and corn, or animals eating those things. Well, all those proteins have changed, and and so our bodies are responding to those frequently now. Um, and these are toxins that can get in through your gut. We breathe them in. Lead was an airplane exhaust. Mercury is in the exhaust from coal-burning plants. So then these toxins could get in through our lungs as well. And so we're under this onslaught all day long. And then you put on your deodorant with aluminum in it, and then you start putting on your makeup products. Um, The craziest thing that I honestly even learned while while writing this book is, um, at least in the United States, um, the FDA doesn't regulate what is in makeup products. They've basically told the makeup producers to regulate themselves. So we, we know how that works out. Right. And so when one toxin gets banned, I mean, at least in like Europe, they're, they're actually keeping an eye on this stuff. So things get banned in Europe and then they have to ban them here and then they just replace it with a different toxin. Um, so it's this onslaught and I, I think it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, in the introduction of get the funk out, um, I went through my wife's routine of going to bed, waking up, making breakfast playing with our dogs and getting ready for the day and and the amount of things that she's exposed to, um, you know, and, and that's where you kind of said in the beginning, like we don't realize it, you know, and we don't think about it because this stuff is being marketed to us. It's cheap or it's effective or whatever. and, And we're not taught to think about like, Hey, what am I putting on my body? Um, I'd say even the worst part about it all is that we don't get symptoms from it. So you can pour yourself a glass of water that has, is full of lead. You don't feel it. Like you don't know, right? You can be eating food that has toxins in it. You don't get a symptom from it. So we would be much better prepared if that would happen, right? Life would be easier because we would be like, you know, we get sick. Like, oh my God, I'm exposed to mold. And this happened. So I know I have mold exposure. In in the majority of my patients, it presents as okay. I'm 30, and I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, and and I ask my doctor why, and they have no clue why. Um, or uh, you know, I have rheumatoid arthritis, and and it just happened out of nowhere. Or I have high blood pressure, or my kid has autism, and uh, you ask the regular doctor, and we we don't know when or why it happened. Um, and then my job is then trying to reverse that stuff. Um so my hope and dream for the world one day is that toxin testing becomes part of like routine pediatric care. Um and and we start testing for heavy metals uh at the age of like 3 or 5 because when someone's 60 and diagnosed with three autoimmune diseases and they want to know and when I find lead and mercury in their body and they want to know when did it get there I have no clue because you've never tested before. Um so I think for preventative medicine it would be great to test this stuff um before it's too late or it's you know a disease has already happened. Um so I guess finishing off the detox story a little bit because I said you know our detox organs skin gut lungs if a toxin crosses through those barriers and gets into your blood. All these toxins that we're mentioning are fat soluble. And so what that means is we will absorb them because every cell in your body is surrounded by a cell membrane that has fat in it. So a fat soluble toxin can attach to fat. and, And so every cell in your body could be affected. Um, This book is focused on the connection of hormones and toxins, but toxins also very traditionally damage the immune system, the nervous system, and the cardiovascular system. So anytime I have somebody with an imbalance in any of those, I'm going to be looking at toxins. Fat-soluble toxin gets in, it will get stored, but lucky for us, the first place our body takes those toxins is to the liver. And most people think of the liver as their detox organ. What the liver does is take these toxins through what is called phase one and phase two of detox, which makes them water soluble. Once they're water soluble, you can then pee, poop, and sweat them out. That's what detox is. Taking these foreign substances converting them and i get through all the pathways that that we detox in phase 1 and phase 2 plus all the nutrients and vitamins and minerals you need for those processes to function properly um and we make them water soluble and then we pee poop and sweat them out that's what detox is if our liver is overwhelmed like we have too many toxins we're being exposed to or we're not eating enough nutrients to support our liver then they will get through the liver and then start going and getting stored in our brain, in our thyroid, in our testes or ovaries, in our cardiovascular system, in our immune cells. And then we start getting disease down the road.
0: Hmm. I mean, there was so much that you mentioned there. I have tons of pages and notes from... I love what you said about just preventative treatment. I feel like that's absolutely necessary. And the story about how you went through your wife's routine in the morning, that was actually a an assignment that I had to do with school and way back in the day and it's you don't realize until you actually have to write down everything like you said from the water to shower brushing your teeth you're playing with the dog with the plastic chew toys and you go outside and you pump your car with gasoline and you put your perfume on and or you get in the elevator with someone who's wearing lots of perfume and it's like wow you don't realize and then you're drinking water all day long and if it's not filtered it's just constant Exposure, and you did touch on it a little bit there. But one thing I get pushback a lot from in the traditional medicine um, industry is, well, the liver is a detox organ, so you don't need to to do a detox. You don't really need to do anything, you know, to to sweat out these toxins or get rid of these toxins because the liver will do it itself. And so you did mention having that bucket and everybody is so hyper individualized. And is that how you respond to those pushbacks as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a, that's such a basic argument, but that it is one that they would use. Right. Um, We have other organs that do other things like your pancreas that makes insulin or your testes that should be making testosterone if you're a man. Um, And sometimes those organs don't work up to par right and so why would the liver not why would the liver need support and my argument is is that every year for at least 50 years we've been introducing more and more and more toxins right and so our capacity to detox is limited you know and that's based on your genetics and that's hard to really pinpoint you know what is your capacity you can do genetic testing but i hate the genetic testing personally um but let's say my capacity is a hundred, right? I could get rid of a hundred toxins a day. In an average day, I'm exposed to 50. I'm fine. but then I went to college, I moved into a moldy dorm and I'm binge drinking four days a week and and now I'm exposed to a thousand, you know, toxins a day. Yeah, my liver can get rid of a hundred, but the other 900, you know at some point, you know they it can't keep up and um that's the problem with that argument i think is that sure 50 years ago before we genetically modified our food and put all these chemicals on our skin and in our in our food and in our air yeah we we didn't need detox support but 50 years ago the rate of autism was like one in a few thousand and it's pretty sure it's down to one in 32 now right and so we can just say well, we have no clue why, or we can think about what has changed. And, and there's a very consistent change, and that's everything we're doing to our food and environment.
0: Yeah, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, the rates of these diseases are, are skyrocketing at a very fast pace.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've seen it. We kind of know these connections now. And coming back to these toxins, how exactly are they impacting our hormones? I know you mentioned a little bit that they're fat soluble, and we know a lot of hormones, um, especially estrogen as well is related to that fat. So could you talk about that connection between toxins and hormones?
1: Yeah. Um, the mechanism is is basically they create cell death. And so... Basically, when these toxins over time stay attached to our cells, they create what is called like oxidative stress, or another way to think about it is like more of like an acidic environment in our cells. And our cells are very, very like, they need a very strict pH, right? And and how basic versus how acidic, and you don't want it to go in either direction. Well, toxins like we're talking about can make that direction become more acidic And that starts killing off the mitochondria. The mitochondria are many people know as the powerhouse of our cells. They're where we turn food basically into energy. Um, And so if the mitochondria start dying, the cells start dying. And the the honest truth is is that I can't pinpoint exactly why the, the toxins are exactly seem to be more targeting our hormone glands. And, and that's something that, um, I warn everybody in my book that, that these are subjects that there are scientists that just dig into, you know, the exact science of how this is happening. Um, for me, it's more of a, a broad overview that I'm trying to share with people. And my value is the clinical side of it in regards to, seeing what kind of diseases happen, what's seeing what happens when we get rid of these things. But in general, it is a mechanism that can be consistent in any cell in your body, really. Um, This whole connection for me was started when I worked with Dr. Susan Blum, who's one of my mentors. She's been around for a long time, um, written a couple of functional medicine books herself. She's a Hashimoto's uh, patient, and that's how she got into functional medicine, when I was with her in 2011, she described the thyroid as a sponge for toxins. Why exactly that is 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 I don't I I really I'm not for sure why they they really latch on to the thyroid versus other even hormone glands, um, but they do, and Hashimoto's is the most common autoimmune disease, right? And what is an autoimmune disease? It is when your immune system identifies your own cells as an invader. So your immune system's job is basically floating around and identifying what is good and what is bad. And when it sees an invader, something foreign, its job is to attack it and get rid of it. Well, let's say for 20 years or 30 years or 60 years, you, your thyroid, has been absorbing lead mercury glyphosate plastic and those things are stored in there and your immune system is looking at the thyroid and being like why why are there all these toxins in there we need to get rid of this gland it, it it's clearly not supposed to be here so that makes sense to me right because my alternative in how i was trained is well, you just get Hashimoto's and it's increasing at a huge rate. And, you know, we don't have, we don't have any idea why, um, but I will test your TSH and I will give you Synthroid. Right. Um, and anybody who's listening, that's been, you know, had issues with their thyroid knows that that is a, uh, really bad way to go about addressing the thyroid. Um, but that's how we're taught. And, my patients over the years don't accept that right they don't they don't come to me to be like well i have no clue why they want to know why it's happening and i don't think it's just toxins i mean and again like i am also a gut doctor and i very much believe in rebalancing the microbiome another way that your thyroid could get loaded up with toxins is just having candida for a very long time or dysbiosis for a very long time um so that you know, it's difficult for me to exactly answer, but even like the um, and I need to do a little more digging into this new study out of New Zealand. But they specifically said that the second most common place they were finding these microplastics besides in the liver was in the testes, right? right. And, and so, why the testes more than a different one? I don't I don't know if where you really know yet for sure why certain toxins want to go to certain organs and, and why some endocrine glands and why in others, I don't, I don't know for sure because all our cells have fat. So really they can all go anywhere.
0: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just relating back to that, I know a lot of infertility rates are on the rise as well. So I'm sure all of, you know, these toxins can explain a big portion of that as well from either the male or the female perspective or a combo of that. Exactly. Hmm. And, um, so now that we know a little bit about some of the, the toxins and how they impact the hormones, does it cause any specific hormone imbalances at all?
1: Any, um, the, there's five main hormone accesses that I talk about in the book. And these, that's because they are the five main that I have always done, like found in my patients. And so the introduction is about just what is, what are toxins, what are hormones, what's the connection, and then ends with the story of my wife's routine. Chapter one is on the thyroid. Chapter two is on the adrenal glands. Uh, Chapter three is on the pancreas and insulin. Chapter four is about female hormones. And chapter five is about male hormones. So and that's because the most common imbalances i find are thyroid imbalances, adrenal imbalances, reproductive imbalances, so that's either with estrogen, progesterone or testosterone. um and you know, insulin is one that i don't see very often, which is bizarre because that is, you know, if i was in a traditional family medicine practice office, I mean, 90% of my patients have a, would have a blood sugar issue in my specialized world of functional medicine. Um, I very rarely, even though today I just saw someone who's dealing with blood sugar issues, it, it is very rare, um, that my patients come to me and they haven't already cleaned up their diet, haven't already addressed blood sugar. Um, but if you look at the general population, um, you know, especially with the stuff that came out with, you know, the risks for COVID, um, blood sugar is such a big, big deal. Um, and something that I guess I want to just comment on, um, is the screening for diabetes, right? And so we are taught to test either a fasting glucose which is uh, your your blood sugar level after not eating for eight hours. And then there's a marker called hemoglobin A1C, which is basically what has your blood sugar looked like over the last three months. And so we primarily use those numbers to diagnose diabetes. What I have personally used in my career is uh, fasting insulin levels. And what I call that is my pre-pre- diabetes marker. So hemoglobin A1C can be used as like pre-diabetes. Like I had someone today that her hemoglobin A1C is 5.7, which from the traditional standpoint is, is pre-diabetes. If she had been coming to me a lot longer ago, I would have been testing her insulin. Um, and I, I, I tried to get to the bottom of why regular doctors aren't doing it, but they don't, your regular doctor usually isn't looking at your insulin. I don't know why. Um, I think that's partially because we're just like a reactionary society. And so, you know, if they had, if they caught you, so I guess maybe this is the way to make sense of it is, is as a traditional doctor, I would have no clue what to do with you. um If you had pre pre diabetes, I'd say, go see your nutritionist. And, and I, I wouldn't know what to do because we are taught to prescribe medications. So if you have pre-diabetes or diabetes, then I'm like, okay, well, here's the whole list of medications that we're going to go through. And I know what to do with it. For me, pre-pre-diabetes, what it is, is we look at your fasting insulin and the range is zero to like 19.6 or 20, let's say on most lab tests. And what type two diabetes Diabetes is is when your insulin st- stops responding to the receptors. You have been releasing so much insulin that the receptors become less sensitive to it, and you need to release more of it. And eventually, that system breaks down just from too much insulin being released. Well, we can. My argument is, is we can catch pre pre diabetes by monitoring your fasting insulin. I want to see your fasting insulin between two and five even though their reference range goes all the way up to 20 and that's something even getting into the thyroid and all of that is looking at reference ranges versus just talking to someone about what the lab has reported as high or low. So a fasting insulin of 15 would be reported as normal and a regular doctor would probably just skip it. To me, that's really bad. I'm looking at that. I'm like, you, we need to fix this. We need to work on getting this lower. Um, so that's something for anybody listening that, you know, if they're not, you know, maybe the next time they want to go in, if they've been told they don't have a blood sugar issue, maybe say, hey, can you add in my fasting insulin? I want to see, you know, if my levels are staying low, you basically want it the lower the better, because that means you need very little insulin release to get adequate response, right, to help you store the blood sh- the sugar that you're exposed to.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I find there's a big disconnect with, with blood work and then looking at it from a functional perspective of blood work, you know, what's normal or what's optimal. And like you said, just the traditional route of even the thyroid, just testing TSH, put you on Synthroid and the amount of, of clients that I've seen where that's their experience and it's like, but preventatively, there's a lot more we could do. Or once you reach that stage, there's all sorts of stuff you can do to help support the body. And, and um, so, yes, very similar with the fasting insulin as well. I like how you're saying to test the pre-diabetes and the fasting insulin just to kind of catch it before it reaches anything there. I find prevention is a huge importance, but one that I've. Feel most people that I see don't really care much about because it's prevention is hard because there's no big push to, you know, once you have that diagnosis, it's like, okay, you're motivated to get back into balance. But for prevention, it's not really at the, the forefront of most people's mind.
1: Unfortunately, Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah, I always say <laughs> that my practice 99% of my practice um, should be preventative. Um, when I do talks or lectures and people ask questions, it's one that I've heard is, well, I'm healthy. Why should I waste my time seeing you? That's the time to see a functional medicine practitioner, um, is when you're feeling good. Uh, 99% of my practices is I've been to every university hospital in the Chicagoland area. I went to Mayo clinic. I've been to Cleveland clinic. Um, I'm on these drugs. They said, I don't have any other options. So you're my last resort. Screw it. I'll try functional medicine and, and see what happens. Um, and that's very difficult then at that point for me, cause I'm, you know, if you've had 20 years of lead and mercury built up and dysbiosis and poor diet, and we're trying to reverse, you know, an autoimmune disease, it, it's in it's not easy. I mean, we've been very lucky and had awesome success with many people, but, um that's not the time i mean then we're but that's usually what it takes for someone to get desperate enough to change right um i get that from from being in recovery like i had a therapist once that said that change is about as easy as ripping off your own skin um and so i don't um, you know i people in recovery we have to hit rock bottom usually to change and that's people handle that outside of like drug and alcohol problems with their health. Like most people, you know, will hang on as long as they can until they're out of options. And then it's like, okay, maybe I should look at what I'm eating.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's- In the spirit of prevention, you mentioned a lot of the the toxins that we're exposed to daily of between mold and glyphosate and personal care products, like you said, memory foam, plastic. It's pretty much coming from anywhere and everywhere. So what are some steps that people can take to help either lessen the burden, detox some of these out, support the body? What are some steps that you would recommend?
1: I love it. So A lot of things I want to get out on this subject. Um, I think the most important, well, these are all important, but one is, is do not assume that you have a toxic burden. Um, There are people that I test that do not. And usually the more convinced someone is that they're toxic, the less likely they are that they're toxic. So, or have a toxic burden. Um, My advice is to do testing um, and testing your regular doctor is not going to um, do it, unfortunately. Um, not all functional medicine practitioners will do it. Um, I personally am trained by the Institute of Functional Medicine. I'm certified with IFM. My advice is to go on ifm.org and you can type in your zip code or country and search for a practitioner. And, But then you have to take it a step further and focus on practitioners that are certified because to get certified, you have to go through testing and exams. Um, and then furthermore reaching out and asking if that clinic is comfortable with toxins, because first few years of my practice, I would have said, no, like even though I'm a functional medicine certified doctor, I don't have a comfort around that. Um, so finding someone that could test is huge. Um, if, you can't, or it's difficult at this time, do not go out and buy the, your favorite social media influencer, doctors, detox product, in my opinion. Um, that is one of my absolute pet peeves in this world is, is detox and toxins is very trendy. Social media is very trendy. And, um, there are a lot of people using their influencing status to sell detox support. And here's a 30 day cleanse. And here's, you know, first do this 30 day cleanse for 500 bucks, and then go to step two for a 1000 bucks, and then step three for 3000. And then we'll detox you from metals and mold and parasites and all this stuff. I I can't stand that. um, Because then people get into that, and then they spend a lot of money and they don't see any improvement. They never actually know what toxins they had. And then it gives environmental medicine and functional medicine a bad name. Um, So that is, as someone that is very passionate about this, sees the success of it, Um, do not assume that you have toxins. What you can assume is that we are being exposed um, and so, what are things that someone can do on a daily basis? Drink half your body weight in water in ounces. So, if you're 160 pounds, 80 ounces of water a day. Because a major way that we're detoxing is by peeing the toxins out after we've broken them down. So, you need to be drinking in order to be to pee. So, drink water. Um, number two is. Are you moving your bowels every day? You should poop a snake every day, as uh, a colleague of mine, Dr. Terry Wall, says. In general, for me, you should at least be moving your bowels once a day. And if you're not, then that's a that's a big red flag to me, um, because the a secondary way that we carry the toxins out is in our poop. And if you haven't moved your bowels for four days, and that the the stool is just sitting there in your colon while those toxins are getting reabsorbed. And so you definitely don't want to go through a detox or um, you definitely want to get your gut right, unfunk your gut, as my first book would say, um, to make sure you're moving your bowels every day. So that's step two that someone can can take. Um, Step three uh, is sweating. So exercise, if you can every day. Uh, one of my favorite tools besides exercise for sweating is infrared sauna. Um, I love infrared saunas for mold detox. I've seen it be effective for heavy metal detox. Um, the infrared sauna has two components. It is the sweating that happens for most people. And there's also the infrared waves that help kind of kill off toxins. Um, and then number four is sleep, uh, we are being exposed all day long from the time we go to bed. And even in my my wife's story, the example that I give is like, if your Wi-Fi router is too close to your bed, or if you sleep with your phone next to your bed, that's one of my least favorite things. Um, sleep is when your body should be restoring. I mean, we are basically preparing for this um, onslaught. You know, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, everything you're breathing, drinking, eating is, has toxins in it most likely. So sleep is when we kind of restore and and, and get ready for the battle the next day. Um, so a lot of people jump past like the most important steps, right? Which are the basics of sleep and then nutrition, Right. I, in in my first book, talk about eating nine to 12 servings of vegetables, of fruit a day. Um, you're getting all the micronutrients you need for your detox to function. Um, that's a huge one. So there, there's basic stuff that people jump past um, and jump straight into, you know, what they're being influenced by online and and, and investing into that. When you can just Do the basics and that's going to help probably more because like your traditional people that you've dealt with that you have a liver to detox Well, support that liver by sleeping, by getting nutrition, by drinking fluids, by moving your bowels, by sweating, you can help your liver out.
0: Absolutely. Good. I love those tips. And they're all doable things that people should be doing, you know, getting good quality sleep, drinking lots of filtered water, moving your body, things that people should be doing. I could ask you probably a hundred more questions, but I want to be mindful of your time. So just last couple of questions here before I let you go. Let
1: me me add one more before your question. Let's do it. (laughs) EWG.org, the environmental working group. Um, That is a nonprofit organization. Their website is amazing. Um, It is a uh, organization that has been testing our environment and is tracking the toxins. So one way that people, if they haven't heard of EWG.org, they may have heard of the Dirty Dozen. Uh, The Dirty Dozen are known as the fruits and vegetables, the 12 fruits and vegetables that are the highest in herbicides, pesticides, chemicals, whatever. That list is updated every year. So it changes every year. And so a lot of people have seen that though, but they don't know it comes from EWG.org. You can go on EWG.org and start typing in your makeup products, your cleaning products, your food, and they will give you a toxicity rating. So that's if you want to take another step that you can do for free and and start cleaning up the things in your house. And, And that's a way to start creating more awareness around like, Hey, you know, maybe this that I'm touching or this that I'm using. So that's another one. If people want to figure out, um, You know, because whether we're talking about lead, mercury, mold, glyphosate, flame retardants, whatever, the first step in any detox is to stop exposure. You can never detox. Like, for example, mold is something where, you know, a lot of people that have mold toxicity are living in a moldy house and, and, you know, it's not easy to move for most people. and and a lot of times you have to, or go through an extremely expensive remediation. Um, and, but that is, you know, I'm not going to throw someone on a bunch of supplements and stuff if they're still being exposed because then we're just spinning our wheels. Right. So, um, EWG, um, the last chapter of my new book, um, give all types of helpful hints how to start just identifying toxins. And once you stop the exposure, that's when detox starts.
0: Perfect. I'm a big, big fan of the EWG. their healthy living app and the skin, skin deep online where you can type in all your products. And that's a huge resource that I give all my clients. It's just awesome. Uh, yeah so I love that so people will definitely have to get the book and my last couple of questions which that could have totally fit in there but we'll see if you have any other wisdom or tips is there anything that we didn't get to touch on that you want to just bring up do you have any wisdom motivation a quote you want to share anything that you want to send people off with
1: um I guess just as being as someone in recovery is taking it one day at a time um, for me a lot of times it's just Um, not even one day at a time, but one minute at a time, one second at a time. Um, when you, at least for me, when I went to an environmental medicine conference, um, I kind of came out of it with the point where I'm like, basically I'm screwed. I can't live anywhere. I can't eat anywhere. I can't drink anywhere. I can't do anything. Um, and that can be very overwhelming Um, and and trying to do it all in one day can also be very overwhelming. Um, And so, you know, when it came to my own recovery, like I can't look at five years, 10 years from now, because that can be very overwhelming. Just take it one toxin at a time, I guess. And, 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 you know, if it's just like, okay, I need to get my sleep right, or I just really, I need to get a water bottle, um, and, and start measuring, um, a toxin free water bottle, but, um, you know, start paying attention. Am I, um, drinking enough water? You know, am I getting enough nutrients? Am I eating nine to 12 servings of vegetables, of fruit a day? You're not going to do this all at once. Um, and so just, you know, creating awareness around this stuff is, uh, that's like step one is accepting, um, you know, that there's an issue. And so just creating awareness around it, and then you can slowly start, turning it around. And again, I would say just don't assume that you have a toxicity. Um, If you are really concerned about it, um, find someone that can order the testing for you. Get tested um, because I mean, I can't, I've worked with this stuff for a long time and I can order tests for someone and be so convinced that they have a mold problem and their mold come back totally zero, but their lead comes back through the roof. Um, And so testing it before just jumping into a detox.
0: Mm -hmm. That's wonderful advice just to leave off on, just take it one day, one minute, one second at a time, one toxin at a time. And before you let everybody know where they can find you. I just want to send you lots of gratitude and appreciation for being on. You're so knowledgeable and you have a lot of great content in your books. So I really just want to send you lots of gratitude for doing the work that you do, helping the people that you help. It's much, much needed.
1: Thank you so much. And same to you.
0: Thank you. And where can people connect with you? Um, Where can they buy the books? Let us know.
1: So uh connecting with me is probably the best on my website is no it's definitely the best on my website. Um doc-koz.com doc cause.com. Um not everybody can pronounce Kozlowski as well as you did so I've been known as doc. Oz. um doc-koz.com. Um there's our uh phone number, email uh we're very easy to get a hold of. Um at my say at my practice we used to have t-shirts that said we put the funk in functional medicine um so both of my books are spelled funk with a c f u n c unfunk your gut and get the funk out is the new one um that's where the titles come from they are available amazon barnes and noble your local bookstore Probably doesn't have them in stock, but they can definitely order them within a couple of days if you want to, you know, support local businesses. Um they're pretty easy to find, just spell them spelled the right way. Um, I have an Instagram and a Facebook. Um, somebody I did a, a podcast with the other day said I have a lame Instagram. Um I kind of said that and they kind of just finished the sentence for me, but I, I'm not great about. I don't know. Uh, I'm not like a social media doctor, but I do, you know, anytime I do media or podcasts or lectures, I try to throw it out there. Um, And so uh, doc underscore cause is my Instagram. Facebook is just my name, Peter Kozlowski, MD. Um, So you can follow me on there. And sometimes I post good stuff. And, uh, but if someone's really interested in this stuff, wants to work with us or whatever, uh, just emailing through our website or calling is, is the best way. And, and, you know, if a, a visit is not the right thing right now. I have put, um, you know, my work into my books and, uh, definitely feedback I've heard from lots of people is even though, if, even if they didn't come to see me, um, they felt way more prepared for their functional medicine visit. Um, I'm very proud in this new book. Like I really get into charts and reference ranges, like how to read thyroid labs, how to read adrenal gland testing. Um, there, there's a lot of really, um, stuff that, that people can use to, to take their health into their own hands.
0: Awesome. All great resources and just, yeah, I appreciate you for being on and sharing this on, on a podcast platform like this.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Peter Cause. I know I enjoyed it. And one of the big things I took away is that it is so important to support your body in detoxing out all these toxins that we're exposed to on a daily basis. And I know, especially from personal experience, it can be so overwhelming when you're sitting in your house and you're looking around being like, wow, where do I start? Where, where do I even start? Well, my suggestion for you is as you just go throughout your day, start with top to bottom, or where do you spend most of your time essentially? So, for me, I'm gonna say kitchen and bathroom were probably the two biggest things. I start my day in the bathroom, so think when you shower, when you brush your teeth, when you put on your skincare, when you clean the bathroom. All there, just start there and just do one product at a time. So, no need to do a big overhaul, throw out all the brand new products that you just heard about on TikTok or Instagram, and you know, you got this brand new skincare that you're excited about. I would say, don't worry about that. Every time you run out, use the EWG app and just s- scan it. And for me, if it's not, you know, considered certified organic or all the the terms. If it's in the green, I'm like, okay, this is okay. So see whatever you're comfortable with. If you're totally new to this, gauge where you're comfortable at. So one of my easy switches is just switching from your all-purpose cleaner spray to something more natural, or honestly, just use vinegar. It's cheap. It's easy you could swap out your bleach for something more natural. Bleach is, can be a huge endocrine disruptor, mess with your hormones. There's research studies that it can mess with your fertility as well. So swapping to cleaning products. One thing for me that was really easy to switch to was my toothpaste and my laundry detergent. So instead of using a big brand like Tide or something else, you can just swap to something more natural that's low talks on the ewg app or their website skin deep so just start one by one you can switch out your makeup brands that was super fun for me to go to there's a store in toronto called detox market i also love well.ca so just to browse on there for you know a new blush or a new foundation and those to me were really fun so just one thing at a time swapping, try not to stress too much, and then overall just supporting your liver. And for me, that's also mentally, physically, emotionally. So in an upcoming episode, you will learn all about different emotions that are harbored in your liver. So a little sneak peek, your liver can harbor lots of emotions like anger, frustration, resentment. So stay tuned for that episode but even starting there as well to support your liver with do I have any grudges that I'm holding on to do I have anyone I need to forgive how do I let go of some of the stress and anger so starting maybe you want to start there with that emotional stuff and work your way into more of the the physical environmental stuff but overall Great episode. I hope you enjoyed this. And if you're not following me on Instagram, definitely follow me over there. Every once in a while I'll share some of my favorite products that I'm using, you know, kitchen products, cleaning products, things like that that are all low tox. So you can follow me at nutrition moderation over there on Instagram. And I'm also on TikTok as well. Same at Nutrition Moderation. And if you're looking to work together, feel free to book a free 15-minute discovery call. You can find that on my website, nutritionmoderation.com. And we can chat a bit more there if you're looking to balance your hormones. So I will catch you in the next episode of the Holistic Women's Health Podcast. (laughs)